When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Sailing the East. Hi, I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we will focus on passages and destinations. In other episodes, we will talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And when we come across an interesting person, we'll try to get them to be a guest on the podcast. But what makes this podcast unusual is that only one of us sails. And that would be me, Bela. I've been sailing for over 30 years. Not across oceans, but on lakes and coastal cruising on the east coast of the United States. And I, Mike, know very little about sailing. As a matter of fact, I'm not even really sure what the difference between port and starboard is. And a tack is something that other kids put on my chair right before I sat on it when I was in elementary school. So I'm going to ask most of the questions, and Bela will try to answer. So Bela, in our last episode... You gave us some great history and shared your impressions of Port Washington and Manhasset Harbor on the North Shore of Long Island, New York. Where are we off to today? Well, today we're going to continue our journey, and uh, we're going to sail from Port Washington, New York, to Sandy Hook, New Jersey. And we're going to do that via the East River, and we're going to sail right by New York City. It's a spectacular trip uh, with great views of New York City, the Statue of Liberty, New York Harbor, the Verrazano Bridge, uh, and it also has some interesting challenges uh, that I want to uh, talk about in this episode. Nice. How many miles is the trip, Bela? So it's about a 36 nautical mile trip. How long is it going to take? Well, that depends on winds and currents, uh, but probably about six or seven hours. So you got to remember, a sailboat only goes about five to six knots. And this is a 36 nautical mile trip. So if you do six into 36, you get six hours. Uh, and by the way, a nautical mile is about 1.15 miles or 1.85 kilometers. So it's a bit longer than a mile. And, I was uh, just going to ask you that question. Yeah, yeah. I thought I'd, I thought I'd, I had to look that up because I didn't know the exact numbers. Um, but it's, uh, it's not a fast thing. So you think, oh, 36 miles, I can drive that in a car in a half hour. Well, in a, in a boat, it's a, it's a you know five to six hour trip. Beautiful. Now, before we get into the specifics, I want to ask you another question. Now, I know that some planning has to get done before you set off on a trip, but that whole process is kind of a mystery to me. Can you explain the, pro the planning that gets done before you make a passage like this? Uh, that's a good question, Mike. Uh, so let's dig into passage planning a little bit. If you recall, our last passage from Marion, Massachusetts uh, to Port Washington was a trip of about 150 nautical miles. Uh, and in planning a passage, there's some key factors you want to consider. One, of course, is the weather. And, and for me, the weather is a go, no-go type of decision. Uh, and depending upon how long the passage is, uh, 
that go no go decision uh, has a longer window on it. Meaning, if it's a two or three day trip, you got to look at the weather for two or three days. If it's a one day trip, you're only concerned about the weather for that one day. Uh, the other important factor is what time you arrive at your destination, right? So if you leave at a certain time and the trip is going to be uh, 10 hours long, approximately, you're going to get there about 10 hours later. However, when I'm going someplace, I typically like to arrive midday or in the early afternoon, if possible. And the primary reason for that is I do not want to arrive in the dark. And I don't want to be pulling into a new harbor, a new anchorage in the dark, because it can get very confusing. And even though with all of the GPS equipment and electronic charts, et cetera, um, excuse me, it can get very confusing and the GPS may stop working. And then I'm really in trouble, right, if it's at night. Uh, I just don't have that vast level of experience where I feel comfortable pulling into a new destination at night. So that means I want to get there during the day. And if I get there midday to early afternoon, that gives me the greatest amount of buffer to either arrive early, if I'm going a little faster than I planned, or to arrive late if uh, I'm going a little slower than I planned. Uh, another good advantage about arriving sort of early afternoon is that in crowded harbors, you often then have a greater selection of places to anchor or mooring balls to pick up. So you have a little bit more flexibility because typically harbors sort of empty out late morning and they start filling up late afternoon with sort of the people who are day sailors. Um, so that, that helps me deal with my anchor anxiety, which I can talk about in a different episode, but I do get anchor anxiety. Uh, so I like to always come in early so I can pick a good anchorage that's well protected and has well holding, good holding. And we can talk about that in another episode. So the trip from Port Washington to Sandy Hook, <clears throat> there's also an additional thing to consider that you don't get on all trips. And that is the East River and the New York City area is very busy. So there's lots of commercial traffic, uh, lots of high-speed ferries. The East River is narrow, so there's not a lot of space to maneuver. And, you know, in many ways, it's sort of like, uh, driving um, down a highway where cars can come at you in any direction, right? So that's that's sort of how there's no real roads uh, on the water. There are there are in some places, but for the most part, there are no real roads. There's no there's no southbound lane and northbound lane, right? It's just sort of like mm -hmm. a free for all. Um, and it's the East River when it's crowded like that is not a place I want to be going through at dark. So now for this trip, the real constraint is I want to be going through the East River during daylight hours. And there's an additional factor here. And that is oftentimes in these narrow passages, uh, there's a strong tidal current. And in the East River, uh, you can get a four knot current. So if the boat only goes five knots or six knots, right? You want to be going with that four knot current not against a four knot current because if you're going against it, you're only making one knot an hour, which is yeah, really even strong. I get that math, Bela. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. You can, you can get off the boat and walk faster. <laughs> so so I, I will tell you once I was, I was in a, I was in a sailboat race uh, on the Hudson river and, and the current was so strong and the wind was so light 
that we actually threw the anchor overboard <laughs> because we were going backwards because the current was pushing us away from where we're, the mark as opposed to toward it. But that's another story. Uh, so here you also want to worry about the currents and the tides. And um, the, the, other, the good news is that the tide is on about a six-hour cycle. Right? So it's approximately six hours you go from high tide to low tide and then back to high tide. So the currents change every six hours or so. So, And since you have about 12 hours of daylight, you can take that into account so that you're going through the East River during daylight with the current pushing you and you're not fighting against it. So that's for this trip, that was the number one factor. I looked at the tidal charts, and there's charts for all this stuff, and most modern navigation equipment has it built in. Uh, you can figure out when the maximum currents are, what the direction of the current is. So what we looked for was a current going in the same direction that we're going in. So that gives us about a four to six hour window that we want to go through there. And then that then dictated our start departure time. Right. Uh, and, and for this tr trip, that was the number one factor daylight plus current going through. Um, in some other trips, it's it's much more reflective about where you want to be. But here, and and the East River is in the in the early part of this passage, right? It's the, the the latter part is through New York Harbor, and it's just clear, pretty much clear sailing. But so that was really instrumental in planning this passage of looking at the tidal currents, and and the daylight hours, and getting through New York City and the East River at that time. Makes sense. I, I think I think I really understand it a lot better now, and I get that you need these a good understanding of your your key parameters. Know what you need as a sailor. Know what you need as far as your boat and even the size of your boat. Right, it's going to matter in terms of getting a slip or a mooring ball. Um, and then uh, obviously, right, the weather will factor in. Right, you'll check the weather, and that that can kind of be a, another variable there. But but this makes sense. So I think I, I I think I have it. Let's talk about the trip. What did you see? Uh you know so. Being the engineering me, the engineer in me loves bridges, and I and I love going underneath bridges because you get a, a totally different perspective and view of a bridge than you get driving over it. And and there's about six or eight bridges you go underneath on this trip. Uh, the the first one you go underneath is the the Throg's Neck Bridge. That's like 152 feet above water. I mean, you know, that's it's just, huge. It's an immense thing. Mm -hmm. and, and then after that, there's the Whitestone Bridge, and eventually you get to the Brooklyn Bridge, and the, and the last one is the Verrazano Narrows Bridge, right, which for a period of time was the largest suspension bridge uh, in the world. Uh, so there's a lot of bridges on, on this trip, which is really nice. But as you come out of, of Port Washington, uh, you start turning west uh, to head towards the East River. The first place you go by is Rikers Island. So... Rikers Island has is, is been in the news, or is in the news all the time around here in New York State. I should say all the time, mm -hmm. but certainly most people know about it. And it's, it is the largest um, prison complex uh, in New York State. It, it houses approximately 15,000 prisoners. Most of them are not there permanently, but it's sort of like the big holding been for people who are awaiting trial or are going to be transferred someplace else, et cetera. Uh, but it's, it's just this huge island that sits out there in, in the middle near the entrance to the East River. Uh, that's, that's, you know, a prison. And it sort of makes you reflect back on 
<clears throat> you know, when I used to read pirate books uh, as a kid and, and, you know, back in the 1600s and 1500s where oftentimes prisoners were sort of taken to a different place geographically uh, and, and left there. So Rikers Island was, it was interesting. Um, so needless to say, we didn't stop there. We just kind of waved as we went by. Uh, and once you pass Rikers Island, uh, you go underneath another bridge and, uh, and then things start getting interesting because the East River gets narrow and all of a sudden there's a big increase in boat traffic. So you, you got to imagine that if, if you're in Port Washington and you want to head south, let's say you want to go to New Jersey, or you want to go to North Carolina, you either have to sail uh, over 100 miles to get to the eastern tip of Long Island and then turn south. Or you can go through the East River. <laughs> and you're, you know, so it knocks off like 200 miles. So any boats, any kind of traffic, commercial traffic that's going into Long Island Sound that's coming from the south wants to go through here. So there's a lot of tugs. There's a lot of barges. Uh, there's a lot of commercial traffic. Uh, and there's a lot of high-speed ferry boats, um, which you know go back and forth between Long Island and Manhattan. And there's a lot of police boats. Uh, you know, you go by the UN. Uh, so there's a lot of security in a couple sections as you travel down this. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really a, a, almost a sensory overload where, where there's just so much stuff going on. Because normally you're out, in the, you're out in the middle of Long Island Sound or you're, you know, 20, 30 miles offshore and you don't see any boats. And now all of a sudden there's boats all over the place and they're coming at you in random directions. So it's a place that you really got to pay attention. And, and, and if I, I remember correctly, LaGuardia is right there, right? So you got right. planes if, if either taken off or landing right on top of your head, right? That's right. We sail right by the end of the runway. This is before you get into the East River, but you sail right by the end of the runway of LaGuardia. Yep, absolutely. So you, there's, there's planes. Now, the other interesting thing is we're sailing down and – we, we're starting to approach this island called, I think it's Roosevelt, Roosevelt Island, if I remember correctly. And there's a tram hanging off a cable. A mm -hmm. tram is, is you know, it's, uh, for those people who don't know, it's uh, often you see it at ski areas, right? It's sort of iconic of ski areas in the Alps. It's like a, almost like a bus hanging off, a, a little mini bus hanging off a cable that takes 20 or 30 people and takes you to the top of the mountain. And here's this tram going across the East River. And it's the first time I ever saw a tram to carry passengers between Manhattan and Roosevelt Island. And I said, holy smokes, that was really cool. And uh, the other interesting thing is you, when you're sailing down the East River, you get a totally different perspective of New York City. Now, I've been to New York City many times, you know, get, go there on the train or you drive there and you get this certain perspective. And, and, and your view oftentimes when you're in the city is, you know, just granite buildings. That's all you see. You see pavement, traffic lights, cars, and granite buildings. You don't see a lot of daylight. But now you're looking at the city from like afar. And it just has this total different perspective. And it really gives you a great view and sense of the scale of the buildings and the density of everything, which I never really got when I was just walking around Manhattan. And then as you go further down the East River, amidst all this traffic <laughs> and you go start going by the southern tip of Manhattan, you see the Statue of Liberty comes into view. And 
and and that was just magnificent, right? It's off in the distance there. You can see it. And I tell you, when we when I when we went around the when we went around that tip of Manhattan, you could see you see the Statue of Liberty. I got choked up. I mean, it was like it was just an emotional moment for me. And then as you sail further south and you're sort of getting away from Manhattan and you look back, you can really see now the whole city. And this is like the postcards that you see of Manhattan, right? This is, mm-hmm. this is where they must have taken those pictures. They must have come out in the boat <laughs> and taken these pictures. Uh, it was just magnificent. And um, then there's one last bridge you go under, and that's the Verrazano Narrows Bridge. And, and this is, was the longest suspension bridge for a period of time. The main span, so, you know, a suspension bridge has two big towers sort of close to shore. That main span was 4,260 feet long. I mean, that's a long bridge, and it was just spectacular. Um, and uh, from there, uh, it's about another hour south uh, to Sandy Hook. Uh, Sandy Hook is a very nice anchorage, and uh, we were heading further south eventually down to Annapolis, but we, we're stopping here at Sandy Hook because, as you mentioned earlier, one of the things you think about is weather. And we needed to wait for like a day before we sailed down the coast of New Jersey because we needed for a storm, a storm system to pass. So we tucked into Sandy Hook. There's a great anchorage there by the Coast Guard Station. And uh, we spent, uh, I think it was a day and a half there or so. But I, I'll tell you, the, the, the trip is just spectacular. And it's it's something that, I would highly recommend, even if you can't do it on a boat of your own, even just to go down to New York City and hop on the ferry and take the ferry from, you know, one place to another place or go on the circle line cruises or whatever they're called that kind of go around Manhattan. It just gives you a totally, totally different perspective of of the city. And it really is spectacular. Agreed, Bayline. That's you know, again, you and I both kind of have immigrant backgrounds and the Statue of Liberty is something that's amazing. And, uh, you know, if you ever get a chance to um, be in a small plane, a small airplane, I've had the chance to be in a small airplane and go past that. It's pretty amazing. And uh, and being on a boat absolutely is really cool to to see that um, is, is something that every I think every person should put on their list of things to do. Um, but yeah, beautiful, spectacular trip, Bayline. Great description. Uh, and it's probably a lot more fun than, you know, taking the Staten Island Ferry, you know. Um, so to be on a sailboat, I think would be gorgeous to do that. So I think we should wrap it up. Thanks for joining us, listeners. We hope you found this episode interesting and thought provoking. Um, as always, if you have questions about what we discussed, uh, please get in touch with us. Our email is sailingtheeast, which is all one word, at gmail.com. And uh, hey, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, uh, that'd be great if you did. And even better yet, if you like it, tell a friend. Uh, so until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you, Mike. Sounds great, Bela. Thanks a lot. And that's it from over here in Münster, Germany. And we'll see everybody next time. And fair winds and calm seas to all of our listeners. <laughs>